All right, we're ready to go. Good morning, Dan. How's good, it going? Good morning, Angela. It's good. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's 2019. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm so stoked to be back doing the Flower Confessional. Today, we're going to be talking about New Year's, which I'm sure every single podcast in the world is talking about New Year's or has already covered it. But not as late as we are. Good point, Dan. We are always late in the game. It's vintage. It's retro. That's right. Cool. I feel it. So I was thinking about how we were going to have an episode about New Year's resolutions. And I was really taking note of people's attitudes about New Year's because obviously we are so accessible to each other as human beings that we see on social media. We see our friends and we're like, fuck New Year's and my resolutions are bullshit. (laughs) And then we see our friends who are really stoked on it. But as I was kind of mapping out what the episode was going to look like, I was wondering why do we make New Year's resolutions and where does that come from and everything. So really quick history behind it. I got this from the History Channel website. I think it started about 4,000 years ago in the ancient Babylonian times. And that was in mid-March, so it would have been around my birthday. So that's when you plant crops and you're hoping stuff grows. It was during a 12-day festival called Akitu, and they made promises to the gods to pay their debts and return any objects that they had borrowed. And then in ancient Rome, Julius Caesar, he was always fucking with stuff, always doing his little Caesar tweaks. He made January 1st the new year, about 46 BC. That seems really recent to have January 1st be the first of the year. But January is named for Janus, a two-faced god who inhabited doors and arches, symbolically looking backward into the previous year and ahead into the future. I thought that was cool. That was kind of cool. Yeah, because like that's what I do every New Year's. I think New Year's is probably my favorite holiday, which is a little bit unusual, but you don't need family to celebrate it, and it's all about personal growth, so it makes sense. But I love that idea of like, yeah, you're looking back and you're looking forward at the same time. Yeah. Totally makes sense. And then, of course, early Christians adopted a repentance and resolution practice as well because Christians like to take stuff and make it Christian. So uh, 1740, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, created the Covenant Renewal Service on New Year's Eve. Have you ever heard of a Covenant Renewal Service? I haven't, but I grew up free Methodist. Okay. I still don't even know what that is. Okay. Well, the research that I did says that covenant renewal services are still popular with evangelical Protestants, especially African-American denominations. So, like, maybe black churches have, they maybe they still call it a covenant renewal service. But it's also known as a watch night service, which, weirdly, I've heard of. Because that's a big thing in, like, the charismatic spirit-filled sort of sects of Christianity is they'll stay up literally all night praying on New Year's before, like New Year's Eve, you're repenting, and then New Year's until the sun comes up or whatever, you're making resolutions and you're praying for the New Year. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was like a nice little history lesson. Yeah. So yeah, let me just ask, how was your New Year's? It was good. We're not really people that like the big parties being my wife and I so we just had a chill night with some friends at a party we weren't even supposed to be at actually initially. You told me that you were gonna go to a party and then 
you ended up not going to that party and going to another one of someone that you didn't know. Yeah. And then because Dan is so goddamn charming, <laughs> he is asked to make a speech by a person he doesn't know. Like, so yeah. the person who threw the party yeah. didn't know you. You show up to the party, and you're just such a smooth motherfucker. <laughs> I got to give the toast. That's, That's pretty awesome. Wow. God. You're a magic man, Dan. <laughs> Can't believe it. Yeah, my New Year's was also cool, but in a totally different way. I don't know what got into me, but I decided like two days before New Year's that I wanted to really break off some patterns and behaviors and like get some people out of my life that I didn't feel were growing me or benefiting my life. So I think for me that mental and emotional clutter also translates to physical clutter and they say that in a lot of different faiths. So I decided I was like, okay, well, if I'm clearing out kind of people I don't want to move forward with, then I should clear out the things I don't want to move forward with. And literally, the flower confessional, we record it, and we have the actual flower confessional in the dining room. We have sort of this semi-open concept in the house. So the living room literally has about 15 bags of shit in it. And I just, <laughs> well, but it's crazy. I couldn't believe that I've had this stuff in my house for so long. And so I'm waiting to pack it up and bring it to Goodwill. But there are so many things that are just the past. Yeah. And it was cool to decide I'm going to get rid of this. And I think when we have relationships with people, we struggle to do that. But if it's a thing, it's a little bit more tangible. So that was cool. I feel like you went into the zone. Oh, I was that in the... happened. Like, you were just gone. Like, I knew you were in the house, but you were just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in, like, a flow state. I was just like this is happening and it was like a project and as I was doing it I kept getting I, I just felt free it was very cool so it's gonna be even cooler when I get all this stuff out of the house but it was it was like I was looking at everything that I was keeping in this house and going does this benefit me or is this just clutter and that was really cool and then on New Year's Eve itself I finished that up and then I did a reflection and welcoming ritual. So what I did was I made my last journal entry of the year, the level of growth that I had. I thought about the last New Year's Eve and then I thought about New Year's Eve's past and I just welcomed in the new year. It was very cool. I did a little bit more research. So 45% of Americans make resolutions and only eight achieve the goal. I wanted us to talk about that because I really believe in New Year's resolutions. I believe in making resolutions and setting goals all throughout the year, but I think when you have a new year and you have a new chance to almost start this clean slate, I think that's why yeah. I like it so much because it's like you get to have, you get to hit the reset button. You hear stuff a lot about how to make goals stick and how to make things work. What do you think about that? Because I know that you're a person that sets goals and has resolutions that you kind of update throughout the year. What do you find to be successful and what in the past has not worked for you? Um, well, I'm someone that really likes making lists almost to a fault. So my biggest struggle has always been 
narrowing down those lists into actual manageable, achievable things, which maybe is a goal of mine this year to do. But I often find that I always kind of try to focus on what all my goals are that I've made, like enough that I don't forget them. I try not to burn myself out on forcing them too much. And what I often find is that when I'm focused on something else, the other goal ends up happening while I'm not actively doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've been someone that has never had a hard time with physical goals. Like, I'm not one of those... It's like, I'm going to hit the gym this year, and then I'm there for the first two weeks and then gone for the rest of the year. Like, that's I actually me. like that kind of thing. Yeah, that's And me. I know that there's other people that are the complete other, like, flip side of things, and there's... But I find that, like, while that's not an issue... There's other goals that I might have a hard time doing. While I'm achieving a certain goal, I'll just find that like something lines up, like some other music person wants to do something and then that allows me to achieve a, a goal in my music or, mm-hmm. or something just happens in business. I almost feel like the keeping it as an aware thing in your mind, but not... Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, because we do talk about the subconscious mind a lot, Yeah. and I had something that I made a realization about when I pulled out the resolutions that I wrote down last year, but I want to hear from you first. Do you think that the subconscious mind, when you write that stuff down, Mm -hmm. when you're like, I'm going to do these five things, and then you focus on one of the things because it's the most important to you or occupies your time the most, and then you end up finding out, oh yeah, that other goal that I set, the opportunity just came to me without much effort or without much conscious effort do you think that that's a subconscious thing or do you think it's a god thing what do you think that that is i think it's a mix of both i mean i'll say that i think it's a god thing as a religious person because i think that everything's a god the, thing yeah i think that yeah <laughs> well that and then the fact that like i believe that who our creator is made our minds so much more powerful than we even realize and we haven't even yeah. tapped into it so that has to do with subconscious stuff and power of the mind and law of attraction and all that I believe in anyways yeah same I agree yeah so I last year last New Year's before this one I was in California and I had a choice I was either gonna go to a club with the guy that I had been seeing or I could stay home and make a vision board and write my New Year's resolutions and I ended up making the choice to stay home which sounds a little bit greedy, but I don't regret it. It was the first time I ever made a vision board, and I wrote down a list of affirmations, and I wrote down a list of goals, and I really spiritually tuned in, and I felt like God or the universe was telling me that the four areas that I wanted to concentrate on were love, health, adventure, and wealth. And so I wrote those four things down, and then underneath those I wrote all these sub-goals, one of the things that I wrote down was that I wanted to start a vegan food business. I totally forgot about that. I mean, a couple times this year, I think this spring or this summer, I had mentioned to you, like, yeah, you know what I could do as a, as a side hustle? I could just do, like, vegan meal prep for people, or I could do small vegan catering or something like that. But I didn't take it anywhere. And then this fall, I started just hosting parties like vegan pizza parties and it just happened in the right timing at the right place somebody was like do you want to start a business do you want to sell this and the whole time I wasn't thinking about that goal that I had written down and then I pulled this stuff out and I looked at it and I was like holy shit right it wasn't like I didn't go to school for food I didn't 
work in food service. It was just one of those things that that really blew my mind. So I think there is some power to writing something down or speaking it out loud, really getting it out of your mind and into the physical world that does something. And I didn't achieve every goal that I set for myself last year, but I, I achieved a lot of them and a lot of them were pretty lofty. So that was cool. I think that's probably proof right there that it's subconscious too, because because it's not like you had it attached to the mirror in the bathroom looking at it every day. Right, it was in a closet, yeah. And I think, too, for some people that probably... I see those people that are, like, want to hang their goals on a wall and see them every morning when they wake up. And mm -hmm. I feel like that could both be... That could be a good thing, but then... I don't know. I might wake up some days and look at that and then be like, hmm, got seven goals on there and I haven't made them yet. Like, it might start yeah. to become defeating. Totally. Almost, versus just laying it out... And then coming back to it later. Yeah, sometimes I agree that that can be overwhelming. I think for some other people, when you have something posted like that, when you have a drawing on your fridge or something, and you walk past it every day, you stop seeing it. And this is a really funny example, but I went antiquing with Amanda yesterday, and Amanda, Amanda bought me this necklace that says, fuck right? And it's this cute little delicate necklace that just says the F word. And I forgot I was wearing it. Well, we went to downtown Hopkins, which is this kind of old school Main Street USA area of the Twin Cities. And two elderly people that owned this store, they were like, I like your necklace. And I forgot I wore it. Or like, do you ever have a picture or something in your house or in your bedroom and you forget it's there and everybody else seems to notice it? I mean, when I was in college, I used to have this Hillary Duff poster in my dorm <laughs> that my girlfriend gave me, who is now my wife. Yeah, that was just kind of like a, Hillary Duff lives in here too, and everyone else would be like, yeah. Hillary Duff. You're so seen. <laughs> What's Hillary doing in here? If you're an anxious person or if you're a passive person, Maybe having that in front of you all the time is not necessarily helpful, but the subconscious part of it, I think getting something out of your mind and getting it into the world, either telling somebody or writing it down or having some sort of symbol for it, that's sort of how our brain works. Right. Our subconscious does really work in pictures. So when people have a negative attitude about resolutions, I really push back on that, and that's why. I hear people say all the time, like, oh, like, it's just another day, and like, you know, don't wait till New Year's. And obviously, I don't think people are fucking off 11 and a half months out of the year, and then like that two weeks, they're going for it. I already am debunking that sort of negativity. I mean, I'm like, what's the benefit of not making it? Like, it's still the same the same outcome, but maybe those people just feel like they haven't failed because they didn't even make the goals in the first place. Right, exactly. And another way that human beings work is through making things special and setting them aside. That's why we have birthdays. That's why we have holidays. And yes, it's just another day, but we've chosen to make it special. So when we decide that New Year's is going to be a line in the sand for some certain things, it's a nice thing for people to look forward to sometimes, and it's also a really easy date to remember. January 1st, 2019, I stopped smoking. January 1st, 2019, I deleted that guy's phone number, or 
whatever it was, it's a day to have an anniversary when you reflect back. And I think that's super cool. And if that works for people, that's awesome. And if people make resolutions all throughout the year, I think that's awesome too. But I don't think that that's a reason to shit talk the idea of waiting till January 1st. Right. If someone in February is like, oh yeah, January of next year, I'm going to do a thing. Yeah, I think that's too long. But if it's three weeks before January 1st, and you're like, all right, I'm going to get all my donuts in. And then I'm going to get a gym membership. I think that's cool. Yeah. I think that's really cool. It's it's gearing yourself up and we all we all need that sometimes. In terms of resolutions, there are things that I've heard that make resolutions successful or unsuccessful. And you hear people a lot of the time say, My New Year's resolution is I'm gonna to go to more movies or I'm gonna get outside more and apparently those things tend to be less successful because it's not a tangible goal. It's not an actual number. Right. Like one of my goals this year was that I was going to go to six shows because I just stopped going to shows. I don't know why, but six is a number that I can count. Right. And if I just say more, well, one is more than zero. Exactly. Yeah. And so you can't really say to yourself that you achieved the goal if you said more or I'm going to eat less sugar or whatever. Another thing is if people are too legalistic about it, if they're like, I'm not going to eat any fat, I'm not going to eat any carbs, I'm not going to eat any whatever, like they're kind of setting themselves up to fail because they're being too restrictive and they're not allowing themselves to be human. And secondly, that year sounds like it sucks. Yeah, that sounds like a sucky year. Like, why even live? So true, Dan. Have you heard of Blue Monday? No. Okay, Blue, Blue Monday is supposedly the most depressing day of the year and it's the third monday of january and the reason that supposedly it's the most depressing day of the year is the holidays are over it's the dead of winter that's when you get your credit card statements from your holiday purchases so you realize exactly how much debt you put yourself into in the holiday season and it's roughly 21 days after new year's which there's a theory that it takes 21 days to make or break a habit. So that's the day supposedly that people are realizing that they, like they ate shit on their goals, essentially. Gotcha. But I looked it up because I wanted to know more information about it and it turns out that's total bullshit, which is very encouraging. It's actually on Snopes, it's on Psychology Today, it's on a bunch of different websites that say Blue Monday is totally not true. So I'm really encouraged by that. But I always thought that it was like, oh yeah, most depressing day of the year. (laughs) But no more, because I'm such a more positive person. So I wanted to ask you, Dan, Dan, do you remember your resolutions from last year? I remember, okay, so a big one for me, as far as like physical stuff has been, I really want to be able to dunk a basketball again. Okay. So I haven't been able to do that since high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember setting that goal last year and not making it. And that's fine. My friend, actually one of my best friends, Maurice, posted a video of me attempting a dunk that he wanted to see me do. And I, it didn't go super well. Like it looked <laughs> like it was about to happen. And then my hand kind of got caught in the rim and I landed right on my back. But here's the thing about it. I'm making it a goal again this year because 
I know that I can do it. Here's a good story. Because last last time I played basketball two weeks ago, we were in the middle of a pickup game, and I had stolen the ball from someone when I was running down the court, and I went in for a layup. And when I like, I don't like just going in for like little easy ones. Like mm-hmm. I like jumping as high as I can because I see there's an opportunity to get used to doing that. Mm-hmm. Going to dunk again. But after I did it, like I knew that I could jump really high and touch the backboard and all of that. But the guy running behind me was like, dude, dunk it. Like, you had that. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have dunked it. And he showed me, he was like, when you went in and you touched the backboard, he's like, I saw you slap the backboard, like, in the middle of the square, mm-hmm. like, which is above the rim. Right. And I, that that made me realize, I was like, wow, it's all a mental thing. Yeah. Because like if you were I, almost limiting yourself, thinking that because you were so focused on a layup, you didn't even think about that. You yeah. Didn't like it. Yeah. But like, I know that I can. Like, but the moment that I take the ball towards the rim... My mind is like, you can't dunk, and then I miss. Mm. But if I go for that layup, I can jump way higher than the rim. Then I'd even need to do it to dunk. Yeah. So, so it's like there's a mindset you... story about. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of learned if you aim a little lower, you take the pressure off of yourself, so you can potentially, in the moment, switch and engage to yeah a higher goal. But that's like literally an example of what blockages can do for you in like an unimportant thing like it's not important that you can dunk a basketball in life that shows in more areas of my life like where am I blocked on what I can actually achieve that makes me wonder yeah totally and it helps you to get insight on how your brain works yeah too yeah absolutely I feel like I am a person who in the areas of my life where I'm most successful I tend to aim really high And when I aim high, I sort of like do these little mini fails to a point where I'm happy. And then other times it's like I'll set a goal and then something comes out of nowhere that's way more than I could have anticipated. It's interesting to me when I go into something with confidence and I aim really high. Maybe I might not get that thing, but the thing that makes me aim high is what makes me end high and in one way or another so i don't know i think that's cool and i think that yeah provides some insight for you you're like oh yeah i know i can do this thing i'm a little afraid of this thing but if i know that i can overachieve in this area then i can quick switch it up at the last second and really land it that's a really the way your brain works is really cool i love that then other than that i just kind of had I don't remember my exact goals. I remember that I had goals to like increase the business that I do and mm-hmm. that that has happened. I don't know if I I wish I knew where those last year's goals were, but I know that I've I've increased business and other cool things have happened that weren't even on that list, like making this podcast for one. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I was making resolutions for the podcast and thinking about that and I was just like, wow, like this came so organically. This was just from us hanging out. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So I had some resolutions last year. One was there is an RV trailer park in Bisbee, Arizona called the Shady Dell. And it's super cool. It's all Airstream trailers and stuff like that that are made in the mid-century. And the interiors are all decorated accurate to that time period. Okay. So if you 
rent a 1945 Admiral Airstream, whatever. Everything inside of it's going to be from 1945. Oh, sweet. And you can spend the night there and everything. It's a cute little trailer park. It looks very 1950s, super cute. Well, I have wanted to do a photo shoot there for like 10 years. And I set that goal on New Year's Eve. What I didn't know was that I was going to not only reunite with my auntie and cousins who live in Tucson, Arizona, which is about an hour and a half out of Bisbee, but that I would be living with them for a month before I moved back to Minneapolis. So the day before I left, I shot there. Not only that, I had called the trailer park to ask them, can we rent one of your trailers and can we get it for a cheaper rate I just told them, I was like, look, I'm not trying to spend the night there. I just want to spend a couple hours shooting in one of them. Can you give me a deal? And so I was prepared to pay money and everything. And the guy who owns it called me back and he was like, hey, yeah, so I don't see any reason why we would charge you. And he's like, we're in the off season. You can use any trailer that's empty. Wow. So we shot in like seven of them. They also, because I had never been there before, I didn't know they have like a defunct diner car that's on site. So we shot in the diner too. I mean, it was so much bigger than I thought it would be. And it was just one of those like, yeah, I want to do that this year. So that stuff was very, very cool. That's really cool. And I had other goals. Another area of my life that I talk about a lot on the podcast and I talk about a lot in my just regular life is love and relationship type stuff and it was really interesting because that list of resolutions and goals was really just for me and I was so afraid of love and I was so afraid of the idea of that maybe wanting love was sort of ridiculous or that it was shameful and so the goals that I wrote down in that area of my life are super cautious and timid. It wasn't like, I'm going to get into a relationship or like, I'm going to fall in love or I'm going to seek some different way of dating or something like that. It was really pussy. And I read that at the beginning of this year or end of last year. And I was just like, fuck this. I was like, not only do I see how much I grew? But I also looked at my patterns this year. Those things I wrote down carried through this entire year. Really? Like I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I deserve this. Oh, oh, well, I don't know. I was, that timidity carried itself through this whole year. And I think the universe was sort of like, hey, guess what? I'm going to show you what being that timid in that area is going to do for you. Once it's, again, subconscious stuff, too. It Yeah, totally. It was like I was too afraid to say what I really wanted. And so this entire year, I was just hitting roadblocks and roadblocks. And I still grew from them. I, I still think God or the universe has your back, even if you are in that kind of state. But it has a way of showing you, like, hey, you can aim higher than this. So, mm -hmm. so I thought that was super cool. So what was life like for you this time last year this time last year um well we weren't even living in this house with you so 
we didn't have this podcast. We didn't have the flower confessional. Yeah. So those are two big things that I was missing last year. Um, even just our talks outside the podcast. I wasn't doing any of the things that I do now. Like I wasn't doing guided meditations every morning. Mm-hmm. I feel like I started getting into yoga a little bit. So like I was kind of getting into just these like things that brought peace and kind of opened up my mind a bit. I was doing very small like trying to just sit in silence and mm-hmm. listen for the God or whatever. Um, but that was really difficult for me to just sit there quietly. Yeah. Even for like five minutes. So <laughs> so that's kind of where I was at then. The the most exciting thing probably around this time is that the band that I used to tour in was just putting out our first album in ten years. That was that was a really big thing for sure. So it was definitely a good time, but I can already see how by leaps and bounds how much I've already grown going into a new year than how I was going into the last. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I see it too. I was, I think, wow, this time last year, I'm trying to think. I was in California. i pretty sure I was unemployed. I had a car that was breaking down. I drove my car. <laughs> I, I sold my Mercedes and traded it in for a cheap car that I felt was reliable enough to get me around, but I drive a lot for work. So I bought this Volkswagen Passat. And I got it to Arizona and there was a grinding noise and I ended up bringing it in and the dude was like, this car is not safe to drive. <laughs> and I was like, um, all right, well, how do I get it safe to drive? And he's like, yeah, it's going to be like $1,300. And I told him that was probably more than the car was worth. And he was also very, very uh, skittish about rust. And I was like, dude, I'm from Minnesota. We rust is like our state bird you know like (laughs) as like rust is not as bad as you think it is like how do i get this car mobile anyway so that car was falling apart and i really didn't know what i was going to do so the fact that i was in california but i had two jobs fall through i was broke car situation was crappy my mental state again, in relation to relationships was really not where I am now. I can absolutely see the growth, but I also had a lot of hope. And I think that is the huge advantage that I have over other people who have been through stuff that I've been through is that there's just this part of me that's just like, oh, well, there's got to be a solution somewhere or there's got to be a way that this can be resolved, especially living in the area of Southern California that I live when I spend the winters there, there's so much money and there's so much wealth and you do meet a lot of people. I mean, there are lots of people there that are like, well, my dad was rich. My granddad was rich. This is just how my life has always been. But there's a lot of people that they had nothing and they somehow became incredibly wealthy. I was literally at the nail salon last year. Around this time, I don't know if it was before or after the new year, but I was just sitting next to this woman and she was in like a tennis outfit. She was probably in like her 70s or whatever. And she's talking about her husband and her houses and her cars and like all these things. And they went to Aruba and they did this and that. And I was just like, excuse me, can I ask what you do? 
and she said that she owned a company. She founded a company that made enamel pins. So she just started making pins, and then after a couple years, it was like she was making all the pins for Delta Airlines, and then she was making the employee pins for Disneyland. And then she just built this like multi-million dollar empire off of these enamel pins that she was making as a housewife and mom in the 50s or 60s or whatever. That's really cool. And it's badass. It's badass, right? And so like she's in her little fucking tennis outfit getting her nails done. Like cool. Right? Exactly. And those are the type of people that when you're around them, you've got a choice. You're like, okay, I can either be like, oh, that person's so lucky and like, they have it all, and I think there are certain negative people that look at people like that, and they're just like, oh, well, they haven't made, they're not asking that person's backstory, and because I'm naturally a curious person, I do tend to ask people, and I have just met so many people that were like, yeah, I came from nothing, I came from a crappy background, or I grew up poor, or whatever, and they're wealthy and successful. They're certainly not without their problems. Their problems have changed. But they, at some point, decided that being poor or being miserable or being limited was not for them. So they just looked for those resources until they found them. And being around that's really encouraging for me. In all aspects, I have seemingly always had that. And I had a pretty rough background. I had a pretty rough upbringing. And a lot of the kids that I grew up around that had a similar background to me, a lot of them are addicted to drugs. A lot of them have completed suicide tragically. Some of them are just still struggling. And I feel like 100% of the variable is mindset, for sure. I just, even as a kid, I was just like, oh, this isn't where I'm staying. This is not going to just be my life. So so looking back on even 12 months ago and being like, oh, yeah, like I was down and out and like I feel really good now. <laughs> but also looking back and being like, yeah, back then I was like, yeah, this sucks and I don't know how things are going to change, but they have to because yeah. I demand them to. That was like really cool to reflect back on that and be like, oh, yeah stuff kind of came to me because I wasn't accepting the things that were going to continue to keep my life shitty. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's definitely, I think, one of the biggest things that I, if there's like a defining description of the last year, it's probably learning that things can come to you if you just, not that if you are going through a hard time, it's because you're not thinking positive enough or like we understand that things happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. That, That's sure. important to make that really right. clear because I think a lot of people, like, I've read some of the Law of Attraction and stuff like that, and I appreciate a lot of the principles, but just like you said, it's like, I just don't believe that if a kid has cancer, it's because they drew it to themselves right. through negative thinking. Like, exactly. that's just not true, and that's so incredibly bigoted and lame. I think we can all agree that at least not accepting defeat yeah. is a is a huge thing. Like you see that in terminal illness is terminal illness, but there's those stories of like the person that didn't just accept mm -hmm. that they were going to die, pulling through it, and of course it still happens. Or 
Right, or, or even just people that like they have they have a terminal illness and they decide to do all the things that they yeah. never thought that they could do, and just stuff kind of comes out of the woodwork for them, and they're able to live out their last days right. living really meaningfully. Like I don't think it's necessarily about staying alive. I think it's more about living. Living, right? Not just yeah. lying back on your pillow and being like, "Well, this is it. Let's just go as quick as possible." Like yeah. that's that kind of like. It's not, it's basically just not having that mindset. Like, yep. when you do think that there's more you can do, or where you do try to live your life to the fullest, or, I don't know, which you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, I stuff totally does kind of come mean. to you. Yeah, yep, and I think as communal creatures, too, human beings have a natural desire to be a part of something and to help people achieve their goals. Maybe that's just because I insist upon being around people who are really encouraging. Not all of my friends are wildly successful or anything like that, but all of my friends have something about them that I admire. And I keep people close to me who I know want to see me win. And so just naturally that formula, if I share a desire of my heart with somebody that I care about, they're going to be on the lookout opportunities for me and vice versa so that's what happened with the new business that I'm starting is I was at my house I was making food for people like I enjoy doing and I was just doing that because that makes me happy and because I was doing that and that was making me happy and I'm good at that thing other people were enjoying it and they were coming to me and they were like you should start a business you should sell this and one of my best friends with was within earshot of me and he said, hey, if you want to start that business, I'll help finance it. And those are the types of opportunities that people wish and wish and wish for. I mean, I remember being younger and being really down and out and being like, God, you know, there's all these women who are married to investment bankers and they just decide one day they want to be a makeup artist and they watch some YouTube videos and daddy gives them $10,000 for a business startup and that's not fair. I wish I had that. I have the talent. I just don't have the resources. You know, it was this very like me against the world or the world is against me sort of mentality. And when you just do what you really enjoy doing, it's really crazy how stuff comes to you. Mm -hmm. It's really remarkable. Doors seem to open when you are doing what you're supposed to be doing and when you enjoy what you're doing. And also the days are more meaningful. Working eight hours at a job that I hate expends so much more emotional and mental labor for me than working 12 hours doing what I love. Yeah. It's like it flies by. And at the end of the day, you're exhausted. I know you know this feeling, like you're exhausted, but it's this good exhaustion. It's like satisfying. Yeah, like I put in work. Yeah. That I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like you can lay your head down and be like, yes, I'm exhausted because I put my all into something that means something to me versus coming home after doing something that you hate and being like, oh, God, I'm so tired. I just don't want to do anything. Yeah. And realizing that you have to get up the next day and do it again. It that even puts like a different perspective on what you do after. Like... Coming home, like, you work a long day, and then all you want to do is crash on your couch and watch Netflix, right? Yep. If you come home from doing your own thing, 
and crash and watch Netflix. Like, that kind of feels like a celebration. Yeah. Do you come home from, like, that eight-hour shift at the place you hate? Yeah. Because, like, whatever. Yeah. And then crash is kind of like a substance at that point. Yeah. Like, well, it's like the difference between a celebratory cocktail and a coping cocktail. Yeah. Like, if you get off work... And you go to happy hour because you want to get wasted and you want to just wind down and forget the last entire day of your life. That's not great. Right. <laughs> but if you get off work... You're like, I'm going to get in the bathroom for myself a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah, that's like you're celebrating yourself right. and you're celebrating life and you did the thing. Right. It's such a... It's, again, same action, different heart, different mindset. What happened in... 2018 and what was your biggest growth and you can say like multiple things like yeah. I know you were talking about the business and stuff like that but like what were the big things that happened in 2018 for you big things that happened in 2018 for me were I'm going to be vague but just like shifts and connections with people mm -hmm. I would say all the inner work and inner growth that I experienced yeah and I'm really looking forward to I feel like 2018 was kind of like taught me all the lessons and then now 2019 I get to enjoy all the things that I've learned not that I'm going to like be done learning or going through teaching moments but I feel like it's going to be a much more enjoyable year like I get to like yeah. like I planted everything and now I get to harvest it kind of thing wow that was like biblical I um, know <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> Things opened up in my business where it just allowed my like profit margins to grow, which is really big, and I'm excited to expand on that and decide to do new things. Mm -hmm. um, I just had shifts in perspective on the way I do things, like listening to all the people on YouTube that I do, like especially people like Aaron Doty and, mm -hmm. and Gary Vee and all those people. Like one of Gary Vee's big things that we've been pushing is to, if you're a creative, then, I mean, that could even be in business, not even as an artist, but, like, not letting your creativity be blocked by yourself. Because yeah. even when you feel like you might be copying someone, like, for me, especially as a musician, there's so many songs that I scrap because as I'm writing them, I'm like, oh, this sounds too much like someone else. Like, someone is going to think I completely ripped this song. Like, I'll toss yeah. it aside. And he is, his big thing is he's like, if you're a musician, like, just release your song. Like, it's going to sound different. Like, no one can copy the exact tone of your voice. Yeah. Your inflections will be different. Surely you'll strum something different. Like, a note will be different, blah, blah, blah. So, like, just just put it out. So that that's going to be a big thing for me, I think, is I'm going to work really hard to not block my creativity. Yeah, I like that. It's like writing music is like free writing if you're a writer. Yeah. Like, just do it. And if it sucks, then right. so what? I think that social media and I think that shows and stuff like America's Got Talent and all of that shit really have created this like shame blanket over budding artists and creatives. I think almost like, and I'm going to get really tinfoil hat here, but I feel like it's almost conspiring to convince people with a lot of potential that they're not good enough and that they just need to like work a good job or give up on their dream because when you look at social media culture things have to be like perfect out the gate and that's not possible and then you look at shows like shows about talent and singing and music and that kind of stuff and 
you're expected to be amazing right away. And it's like, yeah, some people are, but most are not. I heard this really good quote from Dave Grohl, and he was talking about that phenomenon, and he was saying, you know, when I started, when I decided that I wanted to play drums, I got in my garage with my kit, and I sucked, and then my friends came over with their instruments that they decided they wanted to play, and we all sucked together, and we kept sucking, and then gradually we sucked less, and like, he's, he was in Nirvana. He was in one of the most influential right. bands of all time. And then he was in the Foo Fighters. And then, you know, it's just like that needs to happen. And for me, as a makeup artist, that's really part of, you know, the, the 2010s, the 20-teens. Makeup is a huge thing. And I get people all the time that send me stuff thinking it's funny. And they're like, oh, look at this crappy makeup. I'm like, that person's trying. Yeah. You know, yeah, they suck, but I sucked. And you sucked. We all sucked. And it is rare to take something and be really amazing at it. But I think it's incredibly brave and human and real to just do the shit. You know, just like do what you love. And if it sucks... Just keep doing it, and you'll suck less, and you'll see growth and whatever. But we've been given this platform, multiple platforms, that are like, don't put this out unless it looks perfect. Unless it is going to get everybody's approval. And I think that weighs on artists and creatives more than any other group of people. So yeah, I totally agree. Just like, put the shit out. If it sucks, so what? I just have to say to you, when you I kind of go giggle to myself because when you were talking about how sometimes people will send you like a video of a makeup artist and you're like, oh, mm -hmm. this sucks. Like, if you know me, you have to be careful around me because when someone says that something or someone sucks, I like making a note of it in my phone. Like the date in which they said it and who said it so that in two years when they're a fan of it, I could be like... Uh, Do you remember <laughs> April 4th, 2014, when you said... I'm like, I know you're about to be a fan of whatever you said sucked in two years. Like that yeah. band or artist that you thought sucked. There's going to be some song you try to tell me about a year later. Yeah. Or that, like, piece of artwork or... Yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah. No, I love that you do that. <laughs> it's, again, it's just evidence of tiny evil Dan inside of regular size to a Dan. <laughs> I really think... Dan is one of the most dangerous men in America because he's so nice and he's so passive, but he's clocking everybody all the time. <laughs> Dan is like Santa. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. Yeah. One of my friends told me Such that he's creep. scared of the day that I like blow up at him. He's like, I've never heard you yell or like get mad at me, but like the day you do. I know I fucked up. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, my dad used to yell at me all the time when I was a kid. And after a while, I was just like, all right, well, that's just what he does. <laughs> but if you raised your voice, I would probably piss my pants. I'd be like, something is so horribly wrong. <laughs> I agree. I agree with your friend. Like, I really don't want to see you angry. But the thing is, is there's a difference when you see somebody stuffing their anger Versus somebody who, like, just doesn't get angry, there's a huge difference. So I'm pretty confident that you're not going to, like, blow up a taco, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like 67%. Unless it's with the money I'm spending. That's right. I'm going to blow up this Taco Bell. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, we're, we're, we're so in our okay. 30s. <laughs> Jesus. Alright, so, yeah, for me, it was, I think just letting go was the biggest lesson of 2018. Because, yeah, I went out to California, like I usually go out to California, and everything kind of fell apart, and I had to trust. I had to trust that I wasn't just going to be stuck there, and that life wasn't going to be shit forever. And I got a phone call from a colleague of mine up here that was like, hey, this salon is hiring. You should try to work there. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to work for a salon. And she's like, oh, just apply. Like, just it's just something, you know. So I called them, and I actually ended up being job offered from California to come back to Minnesota to help them open it, which I did. And then within a few weeks, it was really obvious to me that I didn't like the way that they ran their business and also I didn't want to work for somebody else. So this was the year that I started working for myself full time. I freelance for a couple of different agencies and stuff, but I'm an independent contractor, so I'm not clocking in and clocking out and getting an hourly wage and that kind of stuff. And when you work that way, there is a certain level of you have to let go because sometimes you don't know where money's gonna come from. Mm -hmm. But it also leaves you open to lots of opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise be able to take. So I went to New York this year, which was the most amazing, lavish, life-changing, spiritual trip ever. Profitable. I mean, most profitable trip of my entire career. I went to New Orleans. I got all kinds of just really cool opportunities here. And I looked back on it. I Actually, this was the first year I tracked all my gigs because I'm always saying to myself, if I can get 52 gigs a year, that's an average of one a week. Obviously, we have a slow season and a super busy season, but that was always the goal and to like look at how many gigs I got and how many people seek me out and how many people know that I'm a makeup artist and they're colleagues. So if they can't do something, they send it to me. That's such a tremendous compliment. Do you know how many you hit the last year? I do. I actually, I have it written down in this notebook. I can't find it. But anyway, yeah, it's, I'm definitely not at 52. But that's definitely a goal to get there. I'm about halfway there. So that's cool. And to think of the amount of money that I made this year, and to think of that potentially doubling. I mean, the thing of it too is like, you probably could have hit 52, but you're not just going to take any gig just to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's another thing, too, is the raising of standards. That was a big lesson in 2018 as well, because with my business, I've talked about this before, but with my business, I'm always raising my standards of what's my bottom line, what's worth my time. And that is somewhat in flux, because if there's something that I really enjoy doing or if there's someone I really enjoy being around, I'm going to ask for less unless they offer me more up front. But when a random person comes to me, I've got a bottom line that doesn't move for them unless there's some sort of incentive. Whereas with my romantic life or with certain relationships in my life, I realized that I was keeping standards very low so that I wouldn't be disappointed. And I think women, especially in general, are told 
don't be a nag, don't have unreasonable expectations, don't be a ball buster. And so when you keep your standards low and then you get disappointed anyway, you have a tendency to blame yourself. Mm. I got really, really clear messages this year, like raise your standards, raise your standards, raise your standards. And I have never gone without in my career because my standards were too high. I've gone without because my standards were too low and I was still working. I was busy. I was doing stuff, but I wasn't getting my needs met. You know, you can date 20 people and be perpetually disappointed, or you can trust that you're going to only let quality people into your life and that the other people that don't meet those standards are clutter or they're going to hold you back. So it was a big alignment between those two things. Like my career absolutely teaches me lessons about other areas of my life. So you're definitely, definitely right. Um, so tell me what your resolutions are this year or some of them. You don't have to share yeah. the ones that are really personal, but just like one or two. Music isn't my big focus anymore, but it's still definitely an outlet for me. Mm -hmm. So I know that I want to play a show again mm -hmm. this year. And I don't know if it will be for my own project. I don't know if it will be filling in for someone else or making a new band or anything like that. But I know that I want to and I'm going to play a show this year. Because I haven't performed live with anyone since 2011. Okay. So that's wow. a huge goal for me. I want to get even more in shape and stay in shape. I want to do those biohacks that we've talked about. Yeah, we're gonna do sure. we're gonna do an episode on biohacks for sure. I'm stoked about that. Like I said, I feel like this is gonna be the year of kind of enjoying the results of what I learned in the past year and how I grew. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's gonna be less about inner work or learning or anything like that. I just think I think now that's like locked into something that I want to do each and every day. Um, so I, I'll just keep dabbling in that and learning for sure. I hear two different things from people about 2018. I hear, oh my God, that was the worst year of my life. It was really hard. There was so much struggle. Or I hear, wow, I learned so much. Yeah. Not every year is like that. Uh -huh. That's not like a woo-woo thing. Like there are people that, oh, it was a good year. Like, oh, it was a bad year. Or, oh yeah, I got married and I had a kid this year and I bought a house or whatever. But like... I feel like there was almost a shift in the atmosphere in 2018 that was like, you can see people were hit with a lot of stuff in 2018. And it was a lot of mental, emotional, financial, it, it really cut to the core of what was important to people. And some people can take that in stride and other people we're just like, I can't wait for 2018 to be over. Do you yeah. notice that too? Yeah, it was a really big... I can honestly say, I know in 2017, I met some goals. Mm -hmm. I don't think I learned... Like, I, I can't think of any lesson that I truly learned in 2017. Me like, 2018 was, So, <laughs> I guess another big goal, now that I think of it too, for 2019 is that, like, in listening, once again, to, I really like Gary Vee, as you can tell. But he talks about, like, always giving people... Like via content online, always giving advice and, and knowledge and things you've learned and answering questions, like all for free. Yeah. Like just giving people value, like yep. life value. So that's going to be a big thing for me. I actually messaged you and my wife Sophia last night saying that I wanted to make way more videos on my Instagram and whatnot. And that I want you guys to basically just assign me topics to. Yeah. 
to I, produce. I love that. I was so honored to be asked. Like, I just want to, I want to pump out a bunch of that. Like, I feel like maybe I want to take like what I did learn and spread it. And maybe someone that didn't experience that in 2018 watches that and that's like their 2019 and then they want to take that and then spread that to someone else kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. It's, I mean, it's really humble to, to say it in that way, but everybody has something that they can contribute. Yeah. Everyone. And I like the idea that you have of just, yeah, I'm just going to say stuff. I'm just going to talk about what I've learned. And put it out there and it has the potential to teach somebody else or grow them or resonate with them or whatever and again it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be for everybody you don't have to be some enlightened spiritual guru you just have to be a real person right that's really living life and really asking yourself the hard questions and really noticing your growth and all that kind of stuff i think that's awesome those are the type of people that i like to listen to right. those are the people Same. I'm drawn to that's why I'm such an uh an Aaron Dowdy fan is he talks a lot about yep I have ADHD and I grew up in an abusive family and I was working selling women's shoes at a luxury department store and now I make YouTube videos every day and I love doing what I'm doing and he'll do that same thing he'll be like here's what I learned right and it's not anything that is formulaic and it didn't require you know living in solitude for 20 years or something like that it was just a thing that he was just walking through his daily life and noticed i think yeah. that's i think that touches people more than anything to be honest i think that the guru people are they're you know they're they're valuable they're interesting to listen to they're certainly admirable but a lot of times those people are just like they're so out there that you're just like i could never be like that or some of their ideas are way too complex for the average person who's just starting out to wrap their head around right or like you'll get like a and i'm not saying that these people aren't valuable but you'll get like the person that was a millionaire from their business who then like suddenly decides to go on some week retreat and then all of a sudden they're like yeah this not that they not that there's not anything valuable they could offer right. but i'd much rather listen to the person that had to like build their life up or go mm -hmm. through a process or something like that. Yeah. I feel like life, like attracts like a lot of times. So if somebody is in that position, like they're a millionaire and they go on this retreat and they have this spiritual awakening <laughs> and they decide that they are moved to act on that. Probably they're assigned to touch the lives of other people who are wealthy right. and experiencing the same struggles as a wealthy person versus like a working class person what they have to say might not resonate with them. But I still think what they say is valuable. Yeah. Last thing we should talk about is resolutions and goals for the future of the Flower Confessional. I definitely want our sound to be better. I was tinkering with stuff this morning. <laughs> and our last episode, I feel like there was so much valuable stuff in it that I wanted to put out there. And I was listening to it and I was like, oh, the sound is so shitty. So that's a big thing for me. We need, we have a really awesome microphone and I just want it to sound better. It picks up like the vibration from the table. It picks up the fan from my computer. We live in the inner city. So there's like that, that <laughs> sound <laughs> outside. And then I have cats and Dan's got a kid and we've got all this going on. So 
that's a big thing for me. And I just, I want to keep at it and maintain and get the momentum. I want to have more guests too. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Definitely having more guests would be something on mine. And I want it to be a year of like relentlessly helping others. And maybe that just goes back to my like pumping out content kind of thing carried over to the flower confessional. But I just think that this could be a really helpful thing for others. And I think that people that listen to us would be really helpful to us too. I feel like almost us making these podcasts sometimes is trying to just have a conversation with people out there. Yeah. And like their conversation back could end up being way more valuable to us than our episode to them kind of thing even. So I want, I really want to connect with some people out there this year that may or may not be listening kind of thing. Yeah. I like that idea too. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. You can follow Dan at Dan Nothe. It's D-A-N-N-O-E-T-H-E. You can follow me at Angela Morris Makeup. Those are both Instagram. You can also follow The Flower Confessional at The Flower Confessional, all one word, on Instagram. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.